Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name is Doug Cunnington, and in this episode, I talked to Adam Smith from Niche Website Builders. We're going to talk about uh, an area that I don't have a ton of expertise in. However, I get questions about it all the time. That's your money or your life niches. And Adam's going to sort of break a few things down for us and then share a specific case study. We're not going to reveal the uh, you know site or anything like that, but we'll be fairly specific and we actually can refer to a public example that Adam has handy just to get an idea, you know, what might be possible. So I'll bring Adam on. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks, Doug. I'm good. Thanks for having me again. Absolutely. It's always good to catch up. And, you know, I talked to your uh, partner as well over at Niche Website Builders, um, Mark Mars. So it's good to catch up with you guys because, you know, number one, well, you're fun. You're very polite. You sound smart with your with your British accent, of course. And that brings the whole podcast up. And, I, and it's not it is <laughs> it doesn't go past me. I, I realize the accent's <laughs> wonderful. And then the other part is you guys have so much data because you work with clients and you have like a very high throughput of content and then, you know, everything that goes along with the agency. So I'm able to learn a lot when we have these conversations. Now, we're going to sort of jump right into it. Can you explain what the your money or your life niche is and, you know, why it's important to even draw that distinction? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, kind of, it, it kind of is what it says on the tin, right? Anything to do with that affects your personal money or your life, um, Google tends to hold those niches in in a different regard to normal things, and you can kind of see why. I mean, if you had a website recommending tennis shoes and you recommended the wrong tennis shoe to someone, I mean, it, it may wreck the game of tennis, but it's not probably going to have a massive impact on their life. Whereas if you recommended someone, you know, the wrong medical treatment or the wrong investment, it could have a you know a massive impact on their life. And so rightly so, any any sites that are in this YMYL space, Google tends to hold uh, to a higher standard. Um, so that's kind of like what, what YMYL is. And I'm, I was trying to remember when it really became, you know, some of our dialogue. And I want to say it was maybe like 2019 or so when Google was in a more major way, pushing out some updates that were impacting like health related niches or money and investment advice niches. Do you happen to remember when it became, you know, part of the general conversation? Yeah, I don't know the exact date. It was definitely, I think in in 20, the end of 20, the end of 2019, maybe early 2020, actually, in the whole EAT algorithm update came out, um, which is expertise, authority, and trust, um, where they were pushing they're pushing people and sites to to display if they can their expertise or authority and trust. And you know, there's there's no definitive guide on that. Uh, like I've, I've tried searching, you can try searching, like you know, for a definitive checklist on what Google is looking for to for you to display eat, but you know, it is, there's a consensus that you should have real authors on the page and they should link out if they have them to, you know, either their LinkedIn profile or if they've, you know, written a paper or they've been, they've got a citation or a doc or, or they've got an article documented somewhere you can link out to that. And, you know, depending on how smart you think Google is, I don't know whether they are actually following those links and determining whether that person is an expert based on their, LinkedIn profile or not. I, I don't know. But 
these are some of the things that that people say you should include if you're working in a, a YM YL space uh, to demonstrate EAT. Um, a couple of other things to include would also be uh, links out to um, authoritative sites or data sources or reference when you are creating content to show that the content you are writing about is backed up by fact and is valid and you have a, a source of references for it. So there are a couple of different things you can do to demonstrate EAT. Um, even if we don't know exactly what Google is saying they want a per, per checklist or something, you know? And I remember when the EAT update came out and then there were these uh, basically like guidelines, like uh, I can't remember the name of the full document, but I feel like it was something like 90 or 100 pages and it was the documentation for like manually reviewing a site, which... Yeah. I mean, if, if someone manually reviewed a site, they could go and see LinkedIn and a proper profile yeah. and then a, a network that looks normal and, and fits within that niche and see all the evidence. But from a systematic way, I, I don't I never got the feeling that that was done algorithmically and it was a manual like review, which obviously... Yeah. I hope it's obvious that Google is not reviewing every website manually. So anyway, that said, we don't know, but there are those items that can lend the authority and make a site seem like it's written by an expert. So with with all that said, I mean, we don't want to go down to the big tangent, which is, I mean, I think links from other sites that are authoritative, that's the way yeah. you borrow the authority. And that's probably the way Google is, is checking it. So we're back on links again, whole other story. So we won't even get into that. So back on track, um, anything else to add for the YMYL niche or eat before you tell us about a client that you've been working in, in the legal space. So any other details? Um, I guess just in terms of content, which will lead on to, to kind of how we worked with this client. So, you know, it, it's typically understood that if you're going to work in this space, then you should have an expert writing the content for you. Like in the legal space, for example, if you are giving legal advice, you probably want a legal expert to write that content for you. And that's very hard to find someone who can write that kind of content uh, and also have an understanding of why they're writing it for, for SEO purposes. Uh, and our agency doesn't, you know, we're a content agency, but we don't have those people on board. Hence, we had to approach this space in a from a different angle. We couldn't approach it from the front door as, as legal experts um so to approach it from a, a different angle but just, just going back just a quick one on when you mentioned about the the guidelines there i don't know if you've ever read that document I've, or, or even skimmed through it but some of the websites they they give as examples in there they look like they're honestly built from like 1999 or something it's like from the web first came out and this is the <laughs> official document of what a good and a bad website looks like yeah from like 20 years ago that's why it's ridiculous. I, I did read the whole document since, you know, part, part of my uh, job is to be familiar with that stuff. So I went through it and I was like, well, what the fuck are we supposed to take away from this? Like, I, I really, I don't quite understand, especially when you can always find examples to prove or disprove something yeah. with, uh, you know, confirmation bias. But yeah, as you go through, you're like, well, I basically see this violated and not like it's not 
how you say it is and how Google wants it to be. So it's really hard to like take that information from the guidelines and do anything useful with it. You can try really hard, but you're kind of chasing your tail if you take it too seriously. I don't remember those uh, 20 year old websites they cited though. I'll have to go back and look. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good read before bed. It'll put you right to sleep. So, right. okay. Two pages a night. So, Tell us about this uh, client that you worked with and, and how yeah. the whole project came about. Sure. So uh, a little bit of context. It's, um, it's a, it was a fresh domain. This wasn't an expired domain or anything like that. Um, and he wanted to get into this this legal space. And initially we were, you know, we said, it's not our bag. We're not legal experts. We have a good team of writers, but, you know, we can't really provide the EAT that we think a site like this would need. So initially we passed on the project uh, and then he came back and said, well, I still want to do something like what else can you do? And we started thinking, okay, well, if we can't approach it uh, as legal experts, are there fringe topics that we can talk about that potentially someone who is, you know, needed legal advice would be talking about, would be searching for. Um, and before the call, I thought of a, a couple of examples. Like, so if this was in the um, automotive legal space, someone, I know, and our target audience would be someone who's involved in a car crash, you know, we couldn't, we don't want to be writing about, you know, how do I find a personal injury lawyer for, for a car accident? But we could be writing about our left turns illegal in Texas or, you know, who's at fault at us in a certain situation. And people who are searching for that probably have been involved in an accident where they are wondering if they're at fault. And in that case, they may need a lawyer. They may need some legal advice. Uh, and by creating that kind of content, it's we're not giving legal advice, essentially. We are just saying, and you know, as per the law of this state, this is who's in the right and this is who's in the wrong in this situation. Um uh, and it's a it's it's a good kind of way of approaching the fringe topics then, uh, and using our you know we've got a couple of different keyword research methods, but one of the primary ones we use are, are question based keywords. Um, we've got this whole systemized methodology of of uncovering those, uh, and I don't mind if we if we want to talk a little bit about that. I know it's a bit off topic, but. Um, <clears throat> The whole website is essentially made up of this question and answer based content around situations that someone may be in that would lead them to to be potentially seeking legal advice. Um, so it, it's basically talking about everything around the topic apart from, in this case, the accident itself, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Well, yeah, let's get into the details of the, the keyword research portion and identifying those questions. Yeah, sure. So um, I, I, we've talked about this a, a, quite a couple, quite a few times now. But our methodology for for this question based uh, research is essentially um, we make use of a lot of the people also ask box within within Google, um, and we we start with a seed list of topics that we think would be relevant in in this space. So in you know in this case, it could be car accidents for a, you know just as a, a top line example and then we've had a tool built then which allows us to extract uh, literally thousands of people also asked questions from different variations of that seed keyword uh, and what we end up with is literally a list of like i say thousands of questions that not we feel are relevant and not 
tools like SEMrush or Ahrefs tell us are relevant, but literally Google say, we think if you put these keywords into Google, these are the questions that we think are relevant because they show up in the, the people also ask box. And then we do this whole process where we remove the duplicates, we remove the ones with duplicate intent, which I think is a very important step because lots of these keywords will be very low volume um, and some of them are even zero search volume keywords. So it's important to, you know, you'll have lots of overlapping intent in there. Same question worded slightly different. Um, so we remove that intent and unfortunately that's still a manual process. We haven't figured out how to automate that yet, but it's you literally Google every single keyword, see what the results are on page one. And if it matches what, what the question is about, then great. And if it doesn't, you either amend the title so it includes what it's about or, or you just get rid of the keywords uh, keyword fully. And then the last step of the process is to, to try and cluster these together. So like I mentioned, they're, they're low volume search terms and we use uh, Keyword Cupid. Um, it's like a clustering tool. Uh, the owner, Leo, is actually really cool. We, we want to get him on our podcast because the guy's a data scientist. Like he's built this from a data science background, um, not from like a, an SEO background, which I think is is interesting. Um, and you can put this giant list of keywords into to Keyword Cupid and it does its thing, you know, rudimentally, it basically groups them together based on common results in the top 10. I know it does a little bit more than that, but you know, that's rudimentally what it does. And what you're left with is a list of primary questions and then sub questions, which are related to the primary question. And that's essentially how we then structure our article. The title is the primary question and the subheadings, the H2 tags are the, the, the related sub questions. Um, and the good thing about this methodology is, um, there was a, a, an SEM rush study which said, I can't remember when it was, but it said at the time of around 80% of people also asked questions were eligible for featured snippets. So when we, you know, when we create maybe a hundred pieces of content and each one of those has four questions, we've got the potential for, you know, 350 plus featured snippets. So it's featured snippet heaven, basically, when you create content that way. Let's hear a quick word from our sponsor, Ezoic. Leap is a new product that they have. It's replacing the old site speed accelerator, and they're getting rid of the old subscription model that was with the old product. So now, Leap is free. It's 100% free to Ezoic monetization customers. And basically, it's a robust tool set that works perfectly with the Ezoic cloud to deliver core web vital friendly ads. That is a mouthful. So I think I messed up on the cadence, but you get the idea. The thing is here, Leap is for core web vitals. It's more than just another optimization tool. It's an entire tool set that eliminates the need for expensive plugins, technologies, and analytics. Right, let me say it again. It eliminates the need for those expensive plugins. I know a lot of people will push specific plugins. A lot of them have really annual fees, but again, Leap is included if you're using the Ezoic monetization. And basically, it makes it possible for all sites using Leap to pass the core web vitals. And the thing is, if you show ads on your site, it's probably going to load slower. But the thing is, core web vitals and Leap, 
they work together well here. So the Ezo at Cloud works with Leap to deliver server-side ads along with the entire page via the new Ezoic Edge so that everything passes Core Web Vitals. This feature is limited to sites integrated with the Ezoic Cloud and it's not available anywhere else. But the thing is, Leap is awesome. They sponsor the show. Ezoic's great to work with. I've been working with them for a few years. So if you are concerned, if you need help with your Core Web Vitals, check out Leap. It could be the right thing for you to do. So a couple things I want to go deeper into. So it sounded like you guys have an internal tool to iterate and get more and more of the people also ask questions. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Can you tell us like, what is the tool written in? Like, can you tell us some of the background? Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm not a developer. I'm pretty sure it's, it's uh, some kind of um, Python script. And basically, I mean, it's not even a complicated tool. All, all it does, it opens new windows on a virtual server and puts in the seed keywords. Uh, and then it automatically opens and the people also ask question box and it downloads it into a report for us. You can do it manually. You can literally Google a question and then keep clicking. The mm-hmm. people also ask the box and more questions keep appearing. Uh, but with this tool, we can set it to say, open the first 100 questions of every seed keyword we put in there and then download those 100 questions. So if we have 20 questions, we're going to end up with, you know, 2000 key, 2000 questions. Okay. And then that's pretty cool. Yeah. It sounds like a fairly simple project for a beginning, you know, Python developer or something like that, or you could hire someone to do it. Very cool. Okay. So after that, um, you take out the duplicates and you, you said that's pretty much, manual to uh, unless it's identical but yeah okay. so the, fir- the first duplicate is literally is this identical or not and just literally find and replace in excel to do that one not a find and replace sorry remove duplicates yep. uh and then from there then then it's the manual process of googling all each one of them individually uh, and seeing what the results are if the results for two questions are very similar then we get rid of one of them Okay. And I know our, um, mutual friend, Ben Adler, right? So he has the tool keyword chef and he has like a new feature where there's like a SERP score and essentially he's looking at what you're talking about. So it, it looks at the SERPs and then it compares how many uh, results are common between different keyword phrases. And then you can see it's, oh, it's like 40% the same in the top 10 or whatever. So I guess, I mean, that would be a way to mechanize it, but then you have to pull the SERPs for those, whatever, probably at that point, you know, 800 keywords or something like that. So that could be a little bit taxing from a, like just throttling Google, like they would find weird activity and make you stop doing that so quickly. Okay. I think Ben's tool also pulls in, um, just li- I think literally this week he added a feature which pulls in related people also ask questions as well. Okay. Which is, I, which is kind of cool. I did not, I didn't notice that yet. So, okay. So I think we've, anything else you could think of for that? So you cluster it together with keyword Cupid and, yeah. okay. 
very cool. So for this specific um, client, did you guys do the keyword research for him or? Yes. Okay. So we did, did the keyword research. Uh, the site launched with 100,000 words of content based on, on this methodology. It's around 100 posts because each one of these is roughly about 1,000 words. So it launched with about 100 posts. Um, it was on a fresh domain, and then uh, we started link building. So we started a Shopman skyscraper campaign. But this campaign was a little, is a little bit different to some of the normal, the other campaigns we've run because the client uh, had a unique skill set. They could, they were able to create a data set for us. And we'll talk a little bit in, in about a public example so people can kind of visualize what I'm talking about here. But he basically was able to source and find publicly available data uh, within the space, um, which was very untidy. Think about it as a, you know, like a literally you go to a website, it says this is the data for 2018. You click it and it's downloaded in a spreadsheet and it's horrible to read. He took data like that and then using a, a, a WordPress plugin, like a it was a Google Maps plugin, which he's able to, to overlay different polygons over the top of it and then different data within each polygon. I don't quite understand how he did it, but um, he was basically able to take this data and overlay it onto a, a map of, of, the, of the US uh, with each state having its own clickable link and you could click into the state and then on the state then this this was um incidents happening at certain locations and it came up in that state these were all the incidents that happened in that year um and you could click click each one it would open up a little box and it would say who's involved what the date what the time was what the report was basically all the data that was in this data dump he found so he's able to create that. He's also able to create some nice looking graphs, you know, um, which showed like trends over the year and to what day this, this certain incident happened on the most. And is a male or female likely more to be more involved in this to certain type of incident and things like that. Um, and we basically then use that data to create our skyscraper article. It was, it was based around this. There was lots of graphs and data and, the, the map was embedded in there as well, and we used that as the the outreach piece. Um, and it worked really, really well, like really well, better than a norm, like better than a, no, a normal campaign would, as you would expect, because it's got this unique element and angle of of data which is available, but it's not available in this format. Perfect. And that that's one of the things you know you hear like, oh, if you want to create linkable content yeah put together something unique that's not available somewhere else custom images are really good but this takes it one step further with actual real data that is obviously important because it's been compiled and published in different places and like you mentioned in this case and so many others the data is literally available i mean one example from the last you know year and a half is COVID cases, right? Like all that data is out there and there's a lot of different ways to to look at it. And uh, in fact, I've heard people argue about how they would like to see the data presented. So it, you know, fits the way that they want to interpret it versus anything else. So, I mean, you probably can find this in a lot of different uh, niches overall. Well, there's also uh, talking about the COVID data. There's a there's a great guy I follow on LinkedIn. His name is Ferry Kasszoni, K A S Z O N I, uh, and 
they do a lot of this uh, this type of outreach um where but but for mainstream media you know they'll re- they'll get links placed in you know like um the express or you know new york times and things like that but they created a, a data driven website based on based around covid data that were they were able to take scrape from a government from government websites and i'm just looking at it here um and uh yeah so this is it templated traffic uh no i I can't find it but you can look him up on linkedin his name is ferry casoni and um and basically their project was they took this data that was from a government website horribly formatted and they used it to create a template and they created literally hundreds and hundreds of pages around covid data x in the city and it got tons and tons of long tail traffic and they launched it and you know they didn't create any content they just use this content as a in, an, in a new template and that site's getting millions of visitors i mean it's not going to last after covid happens but in the meantime the guy's making an absolute fortune from uh display ads and he's he says that he says you know this isn't going to last forever but in the meantime i'm, I'm making a ton of money from display ads for literally just taking this public data and presenting it in a better template with you know pages that are focused towards long tail keywords amazing yeah very cool yeah well um people can look it up they could they could find it on their own so um and you mentioned that your client was able to get i think uh, about 100 visitors a day after about five months and that is like you know we're at five months right now so that is current based on what we're and i was looking at the graph i mean it's just a nice upward trajectory very even slope so um what's next for this specific site is a lot more content being added what's going on with it yeah so now we finished the the shotgun campaign uh we've now moved back to content creation so we're going to work on content for the next four months and then from there we're going to move back to another skyscraper campaign because he's found the data that he originally pulled together was old data from 2019 but they've just released the 2020 data so he's now going to create while we work on content performance he's going to create a new data set based on 2020 data and then we'll go back to another outreach campaign then got it and for people that want to see a specific example about how something like this might work you mentioned a, a public case study, a uh, public example. I'm not sure where it's from, but um, we'll, we'll link in the show notes so people could check it out. But Adam, can you take us through, you know, what this uh, case study was or where actually, where did you find it too? And then tell us the story. It wasn't even a case study. I literally came across it by accident, this website. And I didn't even know what they were doing to start with. I came across the affiliate side of the website when I was doing competitor research for a site that was in the Ganoptic space. I was like, oh, this is a cool site, but it's on a bit of a weird sounding domain. So the domain was killedbypolice.net. Um, and, you know, I was reviewing all these gun scopes and I thought, oh, like weird domain name sites doing really well. What's going on here? And we started looking at it. And basically it looked like for years and years, this website basically took 
publicly available data around fatal police shootings in the US and manipulated it into a nicer looking format. Uh, and when you check the original source websites against Kill by Police, I mean, it's got like three or four times the number of backlinks. Like it, it was clearly, it was clear that people were linking to that resource rather than the original data set because it was, it was in a much nicer format. And then, <clears throat> So if you look at NAHFs, you can see for a long time, it was nice and steady. It wasn't getting a ton of traffic. It was acquiring lots of link, but links, but not a ton of traffic. And then someone clearly, I'm assuming, bought it. That was in our world. And then very quickly built out a Ganoptic affiliate site on the back end. And, and you couldn't really tell looking at the homepage. The homepage with this whole data set about, you know, the chart, flashing, saying, you know, latest shooting here. And then up in the top right, there was like a little tiniest menu option. You click that and then it opens up with this mega menu of hundreds of different scope reviews. Um, and, and and you could see, like, as soon as they started adding that, that content, the traffic in Ahrefs just, just shot up and it was doing very well for, for quite a while. Um, the site now redirects to another gun website. Um, so I don't know what happened to that, whether, I don't know why they took it down, but it now redirects to another gun site. But I sent you over the, the URL and you maybe can include in, you can see exactly in Ahrefs when the redirect happened and the explosion of traffic on this new gun website basically. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's just an, a public example people can go and look at of uh, even if you look, you probably have to look at it way back now, but an example of a site that takes publicly available data, manipulates it, does extremely well at generating backlinks and then turns it into an affiliate site or a money-making site, um, however they they want to monetize it. Or if, if you were clever, the guy who probably bought it from the original owner because it was steady for years with no affiliate content and then they bought it and then this explosion of affiliate content. Right. Yeah, it's something else. And for the people that are listening, um, basically for years, it looked like the site is getting maybe like 15 to 20,000 visitors per month as estimated by Hrefs. And then there's a bit of a downturn for about a year. It looks like maybe the site went, went down or it expired or, you know, it went to auction. And then whenever the new owner picked it up, it jumped to about a hundred thousand visitors in what looks to be about three days or something ridiculous. I mean, it, it literally yeah. went from zero to a hundred thousand visitors, which as we know, uh, typically HREFs or SEMrush or other traffic estimation tools, those are kind of low. So I wouldn't be shocked if this site was getting three to maybe 500,000 visitors per month. Um, and, it and it was looks, all the content. If we checked it out, yeah. content. it's really insane. I mean, the, you have to layer on a lot of different skills to like pull this off. Like we're describing it really easily and it's, uh, well, it's shit, it's impressive, but like you have to know the keyword research. You have to understand the value of like a, uh, an expired domain or an age domain. And then you have yeah. to know how to publish a lot of content in a way that Google is going to actually send you traffic and then convert. So you're layering on like 10 different skills, like fairly minute. Uh, the results are amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I wonder if they sold it then to this new, oh, I think it's, what, what's it called? Re, um, oh, yeah, it's like Robber. Uh, yeah. RobberGun.com. Yeah. yeah. So I wonder if they sold the site to, to those guys and, you know, they just decided they want to get out. They've done this cool project. It's, 
making them a ton of money and now we're going to sell it to a, to another site. Yeah. And I think, I mean, that would be, that would have been a really smart thing to do. And by the way, this is very recent. It looks like like January, 2021 is when they published all the content. And then, I mean, it jumped up and it, it sort of dropped back down to, I, w- I would say like eight seventy five um, thousand visitors per month. But if people are um, curious, you, you can go, you know, look at this. We'll put the information in the show notes. So um, any other takeaways from this uh, example that you brought to us? Um, not really. I, I think, um, I think it, the other thing to think about is, is that it, the data that you have, I mean, you don't have to be a, a, a data scientist to, to make the data better. Like the the client that we're working with, the, the, the overlay on the map looks good, but then the tables and charts that are created, they, they just look like, you know, they, they're pretty rudimental. And even the killed by police data, it was just like a WordPress table. It wasn't anything fancy, but it, it's just way better than a downloadable Excel that you then have to troll through. So you don't even have to make anything fancy out of this. Um, but I, I do think the not just having the data set is, is not enough. You then have to do something with it. And typically that, that will be some kind of outreach, whether that's, you know, like a shop and skyscraper outreach style method, whether that's, you know, you think the data is good enough to go out to journalists and you can pitch it to journalists. You you need to have a method of taking that data that you've created and made awesome and then saying to, you know, Hey world, come and have a look at what I've created. Um, so, that's probably another skill set that needs to be laid on on top of everything else. But if you can do all that successfully, uh, and you can do you can do this um, methodology in in most niches, if you just think outside the box a little bit. There's there's data available from like here in the UK. I don't know what you've got in the US, but we've got the Office for National Statistics that basically is like our official data collecting agency and they have data on everything like so much data so you i'm assuming you have something similar in the u.s that you can access and you can come out and find an angle for almost every niche mm-hmm. yep and i don't know the name of such an office but i know there are uh just thinking of like businesses in general right you probably yeah. can get information from the uh, like s- small business administration and then see like, Oh, there's this many small businesses. Uh, you can pull down the master data set and then yeah. manipulate it and filter it down to whatever your niche is and say, Oh, yeah. there's all these uh, lawyers. Since we were using the law, the law yeah. example earlier, there's all these lawyers in each County and he- here's the bar si- like situation yeah. or whatever. So there, there's, there's probably a lot more ways to use this idea, but you have yeah. to like, it's not the easy thing. It's not the thing that everyone's doing. You'll have to go and dig and then iterate on it a few times, most likely. So awesome. Well, any other observations before we uh, wrap it up, Adam? No, I think that's it really. Um, so I guess just key takeaway points are, to, you know, don't be afraid to, look at or consider YMYL spaces, even if you don't have the capacity to write expertise, expertise content. Um, you just got to think outside the box on how you can approach it. Um, and then if you can couple that with some more outside of the box thinking around, you know, data collection and data manipulation in the space with an outreach program, 
they come up really well. I've got a feeling that this site will just continue to grow and, you know, at least in this space, you don't need a ton of traffic to, to make it work really well. We're just signing up with a, an affiliate program that pays $200 per call. Um, I mean, you only need a couple of those per month for a qualified call to, to go through to, to be making some serious income on there. Wow, that's pretty amazing. Well, very good. And uh, where can people find you? Uh, Nichewebsite.builders niche is our website. Um, we've also got our own podcast, which uh, which Doug has been on before. Um, or, and it's on our YouTube channel. Uh, or you can um, reach us either via the, the website. There's a chat pop-up on the website. Or you can just email me directly at team at nichewebsite.builders. Awesome. Well, thanks, Adam. Always fun to catch up and talk to you. Thanks, Doug. Appreciate it.